But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to hear that verse today in the Amplified Version. It's, it's got a lot in it. And when we hear God gave us the right to become children of God, we kind of pass that. And of course He did. Jesus died, resurrected. Of course He did that. But there's something more to it that I'm going to share with you this morning that I think will help you. In the Amplified, it reads like this. But to as many as did receive and welcome Him, He gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on His name, who were born not of blood, natural conception, nor of the will of the flesh, physical impulse, nor of the will of man, that of a natural father, but of God, that is, a divine and supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed, Renewed, sanctified. It says a little bit more that way, doesn't it? That's a mouthful, but we're going to unpack this couple of verses and talk about it as we begin to examine questions about ourselves, our relationship with God, and our, and our relationship with our hopes and dreams in our soul search as we continue to go through that through this month. Now, as I said last week, soul search is an inward look at the way that you serve and the way that you love others. Now, your life's going to bear witness to your truth of what those answers are. Now, you might say, well, uh, what do you mean? What we say and what we do can be different. We can say we believe, but act like we don't. There are some folks who believe in God on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, they don't. So our life, what we do witnesses to the truth of what we truly believe. We say we believe, but we act truly on what we believe. And that's why this message partially is called your witness, because your life bears your witness, whatever kind of witness that is. And so when we look at that and we think about that kind of perspective, your answers to these questions are going to draw you closer to God if you'll let him. They open up yourself to the change that he may want to make in you. So if you see some questions, you go, oh, I'm not focused the right direction. This will help. Let me share this with you also. You're not a finished product when you become a Christian. You know that? When you're born again, saved, you are not done. God's got some work on you now. That's the beginning of the relationship. That's when the transformation starts. It's a process of growing and maturing in the faith. And it doesn't stop until the end of our lifetime. God is still working on me. Remember that old song, He's still working on me? Well, He's going to keep working on us until the day we die. Until the final day when He calls us home and we're done. Changed in a twinkling of an eye. But the questions today are going to help you look at your motives. Why you do what you do. And how much you trust God to take an active role in your life. 
Now, some of these questions are easier than other ones, but that's okay because it's meant to begin to look at the different levels of your faith. They can help you determine if you need to mature or to mature God's character in you. And as you grow, it's going to help us deal with some basic questions about your witness and your faith. So there's some in the bulletin. There's a few more that I'm going to share with you here. And the first one is, what is your witness? What's your testimony? You know, when someone asks, why do you believe? What do you say? When is the last time God showed up in your life and did something that you knew it was God? If it was at your testimony when you began to be a believer, you need God to get a little more current unless you were born again two days ago. But if your testimony is something that happened a long time ago, God's still working. He's still doing things in your life and you want to see Him do things. You want to see Him change the world through you or to transform you and the people around you. And you got that story. I promise you, if someone asks my story, I can tell you how I became a believer, but I was 15. God's done a whole lot of good stuff since then that I can tell you about. Otherwise, you're going to hear the same old story from uh, back in when I was in high school. And that story is good, but it's not the only story God has given me to tell of what He's done. And I think that's true for you as well. So is it current? Is your testimony current in your life? What about your gifts and talents? Do you know what they are? Did you know God gives everybody at least one gift or talent? Most people have many. Most of us can talk and listen and use our hands. Those are talents that can be used for His kingdom. A lot of people dismiss when we ask about what are your gifts. Well, I can't do anything. Well, if you just said something, you can talk. And you can give the word of a gift of encouragement. Or you can say thank you or a blessing or a prayer with your voice. That's a gift to give to somebody else. Do never dismiss a gift that God's given you. But we all have multiple gifts. Do you know what yours are besides the ones that are common to all? Do you know and do you use them to benefit anybody besides yourself? A lot of people have been gifted and it's for selfish gain that they use it. So these kind of questions help us determine your witness. On the text today, it says in verse 12, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who believed in him on his name, the right. That word is more like a privilege, a power, an authority or an influence, a strength. A jurisdiction, if you will. But in the hearer's language, when they shared that word, it was a legal term. It was a court, higher court type scenario that that would have called to their mind. So something has been inferred or conferred upon them by a court. And that court, when you begin to believe in Jesus Christ, is the court of eternity. With God as a judge in the court of the highest heaven where you are going to be standing. In that court, when you give your life to Christ, 
the judge confers to you by the court and says, you are a child of God. You are my child. Go forth and be my child. That's what happens on the day you give your life to Christ. And that's no small thing to be a child of God. It's huge. And let me share with you how it plays out, if you will, in a courtroom. Now imagine this. You've just given your life to Christ. And in the court of heavens, in the spiritual realm, you're on a witness stand. And the enemy, Satan, is questioning you. He asks if you ever sin, and you say yes. And he says you are telling the truth. And he rolls a video of all the times in your life you've ever sinned. Whether it was a lie, a cheat, a steal, a dishonest little white lie. All those things and shows on this video everything you've done to show yes, you have sinned. Once the video is over, he opens the Bible. He opens it up for the book of Romans to chapter 6 verse 23 and quotes it. And uses the Bible against you. And the enemy will do that sometimes. Take it out of context. Of course he will. Try to do it with Jesus. You think he won't try to do it with you? Romans 6.23, he quotes and says, The wages of sin is death. We've just seen a lifetime of sin. Death is the result. Bottom line. He's done questioning. He turns to your defense attorney and says, Your witness. Which means your attorney begins to question you now. But it's a pretty close case, it seems. I mean, embarrassed by all the stuff that's been shown of what you've done, and you're just in shame and realizing, I'm going to die because of what I am and who I am and what I've become and those sins. And your attorney, you think he's going to just wipe all that out, but instead he asks you this question, is it true? Is that really true that you sinned? And you mutter this word, Yes, it's obvious. I am a sinner. Well, that didn't help, you think? Wondering why you've been asked. And then a video shows on the screen of the moment just before you came to that courtroom where you've gotten on your knees and turned your life to Christ. And after the video is over, your attorney says... Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you exchanged your will and your agenda for His? And if you're not sure what that means, I like to look at it like this. When we try to figure out God's will, it's always like this big thing. I prefer the word agenda. What's God's agenda for my life? What's He want me to be doing? What's on my to-do list from God? It's a lot easier than trying to figure out this big will thing if the agenda is what I can do right now. His will might be huge, but his agenda is specific and moment by moment. So he's going to ask you, your attorney is going to ask you, have you changed your agenda and taken God's agenda and your to-do list is exchanged for his? And he's going to ask, does Jesus now run your life? And to each of those questions, because you've just given your life to Jesus Christ, you can say, yes, yes, that's true. And 
as he says, I have no further questions. The judge bangs down his gavel and says, I see no reason for this jury to retire. The evidence is clear. The wage of sin is death. But we've received Christ. What happens in that moment? And the judge speaks, he says, as he opens up to Isaiah 118, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. And he continues and scrolls further into the Bible and opens up Hebrews 8.12. Your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And looking at you, he says, by the power of the Most High God, who I am, I pronounce and exalt you as a child of God, born anew by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have died and been resurrected in the blood of Christ. As you leave the courtroom, with the new conferring of the child of God name and title on you, the prosecuting attorney smiles at you and he looks and says, you know, he forgot your sin. God forgot your sin. Isn't that great? Aren't you lucky? It sounds like a license to do whatever you want. So go and have some fun. Isn't that what Satan does? Free will, do what you want. But if you look at John again in the Gospel, it says, received Him, believed into Him, who became one with who He is. It's an act of changing your life to line up with the reality of who Jesus Christ is instead of who you were before that moment. Jesus becomes your priority. Your agenda becomes His agenda. Not your agenda, he takes on yours, but you take on his. So, God's will versus your agenda. What one runs your life? It's a good question, isn't it? It's one we need to think about. And if you're born of God, it says here, it's not through will of man, not through blood. It's not through desire. It's by the will of God. By the agenda of God for you to be His child. It's on His list for you. Not on your list for you because we didn't know how to be that with our sinful nature. And we didn't desire it. So if you're born of God, it's not your doing. And your old patterns of life will change. All things become new in Jesus Christ. So it's a fresh start. You can truly live for God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you can do it. It's not by your own effort. You get a clean slate, but not for your own ambitions. It's to live a godly life. A life pleasing to the Heavenly Father. Now this world's going to challenge your faith. It's going to tell you and tempt you to think that your way of living isn't quite right. It's going to tell you this is what you need to think about. Think about yourself. You're big number one, not God. Look after yourself first. It has a different way of thinking and living in this world than what God has asked of us. Clearly, the world's motives are self-focused. And they try to get you to be focused on who you are. This human reasoning and witness of the world 
Makes sense. It does. You know, if you don't smell good, people won't like you. If you don't eat the right food, you're, you're, you're going to be out of trend. And obviously this sparks, speaks to a part of us who wants to feel connected to people. It's tempting, but it's also not godly. Now, if we look at the Scripture that was shared this morning and the culture that that was shared in, for them, their identity and social status was very strong. Ours is strong too, but theirs is even stronger. If you're born into a certain family, a certain lineage, then you have status and priority in that community. It's an important part of what and why they did what they did with their social connections. If you were born in the wrong family in that society, you couldn't raise up. You're in the wrong family. Like Jesus, they said, nothing good comes from Nazareth, right? They even said it about Jesus because Nazareth, nobody's good from Nazareth. That's like saying nobody's good from that town. So neither is he. It's their associations with each other and their communities that made them figure out what mattered. Now for us, it's strong too, but mostly for us, it's our family, our friends, our work, our faith. Maybe uh, if we're well-known, if we're related or connected to somebody, all those things are important to us. But that stuff all changes when Christ becomes priority one and our only and first new love. The struggle is, is after we've given our lives to Christ, that old stuff, that old tempt to be valuable by what you do, who you're connected to, who knows you, who honors you, is still there. And it can create a disconnect in the faith when you want to share about Jesus, but you don't want people to be offended and, and, and exile you. Or say, I don't want to talk to you. But there are people who have lost friendships over Christ who in the long run will not regret that. Sometimes our character has a disconnect from the people we used to associate with. I know people who gave their life to Christ and their old friends say, you know, this is a temporary thing. You need to come back and do what you used to do. That's the tempt. But I've got to tell you something. You've got to ask yourself some questions about yourself and about your relationship with God. And some of them are about your heart. Like, how do you serve? What's your motive for doing so? Do you help others to look good? Or do you do it because you care? Because you love them? How strong is your faith? Do you only talk about Jesus in safe settings? Or do you believe that people reject you and therefore your faith is weak if you share it and then weaker if you don't? How willing are you to share what God's doing for you with anybody? Anybody? Do you wait until somebody asks or do you look for ways to do it? These are the kind of questions we need to ask, to talk about, to learn where we're at and who we are as believers. Is there anything in the story about God that you can share with someone that you're really passionate about that God's been doing for you? That has happened recently. You can say, look, guess what God's done for me? 
People want to hear that. They need that. It encourages people. It really does. Is your story that you tell others about God of your conversion or what He's doing now? Since then. And what do you want to accomplish with your life? What legacy do you want to leave? What cost do you have to pay for that legacy? And what are you already doing to make that happen? There's a reason I ask you these questions. It's because one day, at the end of our lifetime, we're each going to stand back in that heavenly court before the judge. And the judge is going to have us at the bench. And there's one of two scenarios that's going to play out. There's only two that can happen in that moment. In the first, the judge shows you the video of your life. You see it play out again, just like before, but now it's longer because you've had some more time. Each scene, you're going to see yourself in your best moments still acting out of selfish interests for how you can gain, how you can profit from what you've done. No sacrificial love. And every time you show care, you did it because of what brought you in return. The judge is going to look at you and say, I see your character. My son tried to redeem you from that character with his life. I do not see the character of a child of God. I do not see my child standing before me. What I conferred on you was not respected nor cultivated the day you gave your life to my son and claimed him to be your Lord. You didn't keep him there as Lord. All you had to do was ask for my help and I would have gladly helped you to live it out and grow. I would gladly do that. I will give you my Holy Spirit. I was more than willing to do whatever it took because you're my child at that moment. Is that the story you want told of who you are at the end of your life? Or is it the second scenario? It's very similar except through the video you see your care, your compassion and love for others has matured over time. It's grown stronger. You've become more gracious and kind-hearted as you grew older and wiser in the faith. <laughs> the judge is going to look at you and say this. I do not see you when I look at you. I see the character of my son in you. I see my son when I look at you. Enter, my beloved child, into your rest. Well done. You truly are mine. And then he looks over at Satan, the prosecutor, and he says this. You are ordered to cease and desist from here to eternity all actions toward my son, toward my daughter. You're done. I like that scenario better for you. I like that one a whole lot better for me too. You see, we're inseparable from the imminence of the kingdom of God when we give our life to Christ. That means when God confers on us His ownership and us as a child, He places His kingdom upon us and in us. Jesus even said, the kingdom of God will be among you, will be within you. 
And so everywhere you go as a child of God, you bring the kingdom of God with you. To declare that is itself coming the kingdom with you. You are bringing God's kingdom when you declare that truth. That's your witness of the kingdom of God within you and Christ and the Holy Spirit guiding your life. This is the witness that God is asking us to have. When you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is your identity. Not this world. It even says in Hebrews chapter 11 that those who belong to God admit openly that they're foreigners and strangers on this world. It's not your home. It's not your home. Your home is with God, hidden with God in Christ. That's our home. But if we keep living like this is more important to us than that, then the questions that we have to answer are going to reveal that to us. So at the end of your life, what is the vision of your life that you want your witness to be? What is the story that you want to tell? What is most important to you? I can't give you that answer. And your answer with Jesus Christ will change and mature and grow over time. And that's why we look at these heart motive questions to see if that's the case. And to ask God for help to be more like His Son. And that's what your witness is all about. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your mercy and Your grace, for Your healing, Your restoration, Your peace that comes when we know we belong to You and we make no excuses for it. Thank You for Your Word today, Your promise to us that we are Yours. Help us to live that out. And in areas of our lives where questions that are asked of us about our motives come and we are embarrassed by our answer, may we with full confidence and integrity say, God, this is the truth about me. Make me Your truth now that the reality of Christ would come alive in me. I pray this, Heavenly Father, that all this would be true for us all. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.